Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to episode 10 of the Strength Institute podcast. If you haven't done so already, please jump onto this YouTube channel, the Strength Institute, and hit that subscribe button. It helps the channel grow, and I really appreciate it. If you're listening on one of the audio apps, jump across to YouTube and uh, smash that subscribe button as well. I do appreciate it. Uh, Also in this podcast, I'm gonna do my best to explain everything as thoroughly as I can and as simply as I can, but there are gonna be some graphs um, and some visual things that might, uh, might make it much easier for you to understand. Uh, So if you wanna jump on and have a look at those, they will all be in the link uh, to the description below. So, that brings us to the topic. What are we talking about today? We're actually talking about ELO rating systems. Uh, what they are, where they're used, what the importance of them are. Uh, and it's kind of a, a bit of a fun one today. Now, as you can see, this one's gonna be related to rugby. Um, and there's no better time seeing that the Rugby World Cup kicks off today if I can get this video uploaded in time. Fingers crossed that I can. Uh, but we're gonna be looking at ELO rating systems. Uh, and more importantly, how they relate to the, the Rugby World Rankings. We're gonna see if they are accurate, if the World Rugby's rendition of an ELO rating system is better than an original ELO, and if it's not, how we can possibly improve it. So before I get too much into it, I do wanna give full credit to my friend Kai uh, Striga. He came up with the whole concept for this idea. He trains here, we played rugby together. He did a uh, bachelor's of science majoring in math at university. He's, he's my numbers guy. So he's actually doing a, an even more in-depth article himself with all the formulas and equations. I'm gonna breeze over some of that stuff, but I will link it uh, in my description below uh, when that is up so that you can all click across and have a look at his working as well. But the full credit goes to Kai for both the concept and the background work for this uh, podcast. Uh, But let's uh, dive on into it and hopefully you enjoy. So what is an ELO rating system and uh, how did it first start? So basically an ELO rating system uh, was created by a man named uh, Arpit ELO. He was a Hungarian physicist living in the United States several decades ago, I believe back in the 70s. And he was a huge chess enthusiast and he wanted to come up with a way to rank different chess players. And they had a ranking system at the time, but it wasn't very good. You would win or you would lose and they'd just give you some points if they thought you played well, they'd take some away, but it wasn't really very official. And so he came up with this method, which we're gonna get into uh, in, a, in a little bit, and uh, it's still used today. And it was so effective at, at ranking different um, people or different competitors that they have adapted versions of it everywhere. Um, you can use it in, uh, in gaming. So games like Age of Empires, and competitive esports where you're ranking players against each other. It's used on your dating apps like Tinder to try to get the best matches for you. And it's used uh, by many sports, uh, one of which Rugby Union. So uh, to, to create world rankings and, and, and rankings between the teams. Now not only is it, is it got to do with creating a ranking system, uh, but it also helps predict the probability of one team beating another team, which is pretty important. It's also important to note that uh, Regardless of how accurate it may seem, it can only be done off past performance. So whether you want to take it with a pinch of salt is up to you. Uh, But we're going to dive into how it all actually works now. So an ELO rating system, like I said, originally created for chess. Uh, Everyone gets a cold start of 1600 points. Okay, everyone gets a cold start of 1600 points. And every time you play a matchup uh, against someone else, you are gambling a certain amount of your points, okay? So, how much are we gambling? All right, well that's called a K value, 
And again, it's an arbitrary number, just like the 1600 points was an arbitrary number. It's what Arpadillo decided to go with for his original chess system. But in chess, the K value was 32. So you are gambling a certain percentage of that 32 points every time you play someone in chess, okay? According to his system. And how much you're uh, gambling is really determined by what your rating is. So over time, your rating is going to increase and decrease depending on your performance. And there's a few formulas and equations that go on uh, and they compare your predicted outcome with the actual outcome and then you get a certain number of points from that. And I'll explain that a little bit more now. So basically, if you think of a win being one point or 100%, a loss being zero points or 0%, and a draw, because in chess you do have win, loss or stalemate, draw, uh, being uh, 0 0.5 or 50%. So 100%, 50%, 0%, okay? And what we're doing is you are going to take the difference between that and your predicted outcome. Uh, now the predicted outcome is comparing two different people's ratings. So if my rating is 400 points more than someone else, I should win 10 out of every 11 games or 90.9%, okay, 90.9%. If I do win, I get the difference between a one, 100%, and 90.9%. So I'm only getting 9.1% of my K value, 32 points, all right? The opposite is also true. So if I'm drastically an underdog, 400 points on the ELO system under someone else, which means I should lose 90.9% of the time, but I win, which is the 100, I then get 90.9% of my K value, 32 points, on to, added to my score. And they will lose that. So what this is doing is, it's not just a straight win-loss, uh, you get a certain number of points for every win. They are giving you more points for upsets, and they give you less points if you are expected to win, all right? Which is kind of good because what it means is that if you have a really dominant team, like the All Blacks, all right? Like the All Blacks, I'll say it, uh, and they're expected to win all the time and they do win near all the time, they don't end up you know, 60,000 points ahead of everyone else because if they're expected to win and they keep winning, that margin gets smaller and smaller, which means they get less points each and every time. So technically on an ELO rating system, you can go infinitely high, but it will take you infinitely longer because you're getting less points every time you win if you're the heavy favorite. All right, but that's just a way for it to even up too. Um, in saying this, over time, uh, you're gonna see scores go up and down, but ideally, uh, hypothetically, settle on your true rating. Now this is gonna be brought up in the limitations later because obviously in sports like rugby, you have players coming in and out of teams, injuries, you know, there's all sorts of things that it's not a fixed talent pool. So there's a lot of variables at play, um, but just hypothetically with an ELO rating system, you can go you know, infinitely high if you do have uh, enough wins under the belt. So some of the other limitations are that uh, in chess, uh, external conditions rarely affect and uh, the outcome. I mean, you're probably sitting inside at a table uh, playing, playing a game that you're really comfortable with playing. Uh, in rugby union, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. So we have home and away fixtures. 
there could be you know terrible weather. Uh, you could have score lines that absolutely blow out. I mean, in chess, you're either going to win, lose, or draw. In rugby, you might win by one point. You might win by 36 points, which is what I believe that the Wallabies won by um, in game one of the Bledisloe. was a really big score line. Um, but there's all sorts of things like that. Uh, also, you have isolated clusters of competition. So, for example, in the uh, rugby championship, you have Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Argentina, four really high-quality teams playing each other regularly. Uh, whereas in maybe a North American Cup where you have teams like, um, or you know, the Americas um, region, you'll have Canada, America, uh, Manu Samoa, where they're good teams, but they're not quite the same level as New Zealand. So if you have one team that's dominant there, they might get uh, quite a lot more points. But really, if you were to put them into a pool against New Zealand, South Africa, um, Australia, they would do quite poorly. So there's, we need to figure out ways to bridge these limitations. And that is sort of is what uh, World Rugby tried to do. Um, they, they put on some, some handicaps. So World Rugby identified three issues um, or three limitations as the main limitations. And they tried to address them in their own adapted version of the ELO rating system. Uh, the first was the home and away advantage. Uh, they felt that home ground teams won a lot more than what they were predicted to, so there was an issue there. Uh, they thought that blowout score lines were really important. So if you have a team winning by 50 points, that should somehow be you know, indicated um, or shown within this rating system. And the third thing they wanted to take into account was those clusters of competitions that I mentioned earlier. So the way they addressed this was for home ground advantage, they gave a three-point handicap to the home ground team, the home field team. So what it means is, if Australia has a rating of 85 points, and we're the home ground team, technically then, when the formulas come into play, we're not 85, we're 88, all right? And why that's significant is it means that if we win, we were expected to win, and so we're gonna get less of a payoff of that K score. If we lose, we're gonna lose more points. So it, but basically it's, uh, it's making it so that the home team is more severely punished if they lose and they get less points if they win. So that's, they, they gave three points. All right? that was at Their research showed three points was the best way to handicap a, a home ground team. The second thing that they identified, like I mentioned, was the blowout score lines. And what they did there was uh, they added a multiplier. So they didn't add or minus anything off of the team's original rating. At the end of the formula, at the end of the formula, when they're about to get more points added or points deducted after their performance, there was a multiplier attached to that K value. Okay, so uh, the multiplier was 1.5, and it was applied if a team was to win by more than 15 points or lose by more than 15 points. They called that a you know a, a, a large score difference. So essentially, instead of winning. Um, five points, you would win seven and a half points, or instead of losing five points, you would lose seven and a half points, all right? So it's just adding that multiplier, 1.5 times multiplier. The third and final limitation that they addressed was those clusters of competition. And what they did was they, they more heavily weighted the World Cup. Um, on the website, Kai said that they weighted only the finals, but when he did the calculations, it appears that they actually weighted uh, all Rugby World Cup games with a two times multiplier on the, on the outcome at the end. So if you were going to win 
10 points, you would win 20 points instead. Uh, and that's not just for finals, that was across the board at any World Cup game. And that's basically assuming that only the best 20-odd countries are competing. Those games should be weighted more highly uh, than a normal run-the-mill test match between two teams that might not make the World Cup. There's a couple other things that they changed uh, to make it more accurate and to also just make it easier for people to understand. Um, one was instead of starting uh, or instead of having you know 1600 points to start with and going up and down from there, they capped that to be a total of 100 points, which is easy for you know the layman to look at a ranking system and see, oh, this team is ranked 93 out of 100. It's very easy to understand rather than being ranked 2000 out of 3700. Okay, so they made it more simple by just compressing it down to a scale of 1 to 100 or 0 to 100. Um, they also didn't have ratings uh, up until 2003. Uh, so just before the World Cup in 2003, they assigned every team a rating. That's assumed to be off past performance and the historical records that they had at the time. Instead of a win being 1, a draw being 0.5, and a loss being 0, uh, a win is 1 or 100%. Uh, a draw is zero and a loss is negative one or negative 100%. The K value, so the amount that you're gambling, is also different. Instead of being 32, it's only 10. And there's a capped rating difference of plus or minus 10. So if one team is ranked or has a rating of 90 and one team has a rating of 75, it's more than 10 points difference. In World Rugby, they assume that the team that's ranked higher is going to win every time. And the reason why they've done this is that so you can't go infinitely high with your score. Um, it caps them. So you can never exceed 100, unlike an ELO rating system where you can just keep going higher and higher, slower and slower if you do keep winning. Okay, so they're the main big difference between the, uh, the two systems. All right, so is it worth it? Were the changes that World Rugby made uh, more accurate? And... And should they have bothered? Or was it a waste of time? Or was it just a big plot colluding with New Zealand to keep Australia down in the ratings and rankings? That's what I'm hedging my bets on going into this World Cup. I'm feeling pretty confident. But Kai said, don't get too ahead of yourself. Uh, let me work some magic. And basically what he did was he looked through all the games from 1890. That's right up until the 15th of July 2019. So almost 130 years worth of games. Now you might be saying, Nevin, that's too many games. He couldn't have done this accurately. I told you, Kai's my numbers guy. He wrote a program, he collaborated all the data for him, okay? And basically what he did was he ran a traditional ELO rating system uh, from 1890, the starting point. It covers almost 8,000 games played since then up until the 15th of July this year. And basically what he did was he looked at the ratings and rankings for the top 10 teams at the start of 2003, which is when World Rugby originally came out with their ratings, okay? And then he continued the ELO rating system and World Rugby's rating system from 2003 to current. And basically what I'll throw up on the screen now are the comparisons. And you'll see that they look pretty similar, all right? Obviously the ratings are a bit different because one's using an ELO score, so it's gonna have several thousand as opposed to up to 100. Um, but the rankings, again, are pretty similar. There are a few teams up and down, um, but we don't know yet which is more accurate, okay? All we know is that there are some variations. And so I asked Kai, 
how do we actually figure out what the uh, best system is? I mean, there's some differences. What's best? He goes and he tells me that the best way is to look at the error rate, the error of um, your predictions. So basically, with a traditional ELO rating system, the error rate was about 11%. Okay, so it was a pretty significantly, uh, a pretty significant percent uh, they were getting wrong in terms of predicting uh, the winner between teams. World Rugby's adapted system actually came down to 7.3%. Okay, so for the moment, for the moment, it looks like World Rugby's not colluding with New Zealand to hold the Wallabies down. It looks like uh, they are running a more accurate system. But, and what I'm putting up on the screen now is what Kai noticed. He noticed that on a traditional ELO rating system, there was one factor that monstered the other limitations. Statistically monstered them. And that was the home ground advantage. So Kai said, I'm not giving up, I'm going back in. And he re-ran, he re-ran his statistics. This time, he gave only a home ground advantage to the home ground teams. All right, so he didn't worry about big score lines. He didn't worry about putting multipliers on for World Cup games. He literally only played with a home ground advantage. And what did we find out? He got the error rate down to 5.9%. 5.9%. World Rugby's error rate, 7.3%. Kai's rugby error rate, 5.9%. So, all my fears have come true. It appears that world rugby is just as incompetent as Rugby Australia, bring back the Western Force. And they have been indeed colluding with New Zealand all this time to keep the Wallabies down in their rating systems. No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is, um, for some reason, they've, I think, over-engineered their... Uh, their system and it's actually not as accurate as it could be just by keeping it simple and giving a, a bigger handicap to the home ground team. So in conclusion, World Rugby did a pretty good job at adapting the uh, ELO rating system, but Kai did it better. You should give him a job. If you're listening and you're into maths and numbers and you have a job that you could use Kai for, give him a call because uh, his system is superior. And I hope that was a fun little podcast for you all going into the World Cup. Uh, go the Wallabies. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.